Well, good morning and welcome to High Life. Uh, welcome to our service today. Um, today's a special service. Uh, we're going to have communion together. So I hope uh, you have your communion elements ready. Um, I'm going to share the word and then we're going to um, partake of the Lord's table together. Uh, before we get into the word, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful uh, for what you're doing with us as a community. Uh, we're thankful because of what you're doing in the body of Christ. Thank you because your voice is clear in our midst. We hear the sound of our captain leading us into high purpose. What a privilege that we can be laborers together with you uh, in extending the kingdom of your father. So, Lord, we, we are so thankful for our time today. We, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you because the Holy Spirit is our guide, he's our teacher, and, and he will guide us into all truth today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, we yield to you this morning. Uh, have your way in our midst. Uh, let the name of the Lord be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a year it's been. You know, I was... Uh, ruminating on 2021 and I remember uh, what the Lord told us at the beginning of the year um, you know and he said to us amongst other things that this will be the year of the sword the year of the sword and what a year it has been you know when we talk about the sword of the Lord um, you know I'm reminded of uh, Revelation chapter 19 verse 13 where uh, the heavens open and the Lord came um, on a horse. And, and in, in verse 13, it says that the Lord was clothed in a robe that was dipped in blood. Uh, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, uh, white and clean, followed him on, on, the, on white horses. Now the Bible says that now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Um, that with it he should strike the nations. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he would strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Out of his mouth, the sword of the Lord is how he executes judgment. And the Bible says that that sword proceeds um, from his mouth. You know, as goes the Lord, so goes his people. So when the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we should take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, well, that sword of the Spirit proceeds out of our mouths. Uh, and it is through that sword of the Spirit that he will execute righteousness, he will execute judgment um, um, through his people um, in the earth today. Well, you know, the sword of the Lord must pierce our hearts before it would proceed out of our mouths. It must pierce our hearts. And 2021 has been a year where the sword has pierced our hearts. You know, when, um, when uh, Mary and Joseph, um, after the time of purification, were presenting um, the Lord in the temple, uh, and Simeon and Anna came uh, um, at, to that ceremony, uh, Simeon, speaking to uh, Mary, made a statement. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, 34, he said, he says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, he said, Behold, this child is destined for the rise or the fall and the rising of men in Israel, and for a sign 
which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own heart also, um, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. She said to Mary, in dealing with the Lord Jesus, a sword will pierce through your heart that the hearts of many um, will be revealed. So to wield the sword of the Lord in righteousness and justice, it must pierce your soul first. And I think that that is what 2021 has been about. Um, if we have allowed, when the, when the sword of the Lord pierces our souls, it reveals the true nature of our hearts. And, and you know, God does not bring shame into the lives of his people. Um, but when his, his sword pierces our hearts, it's to reveal the thoughts of our hearts and the thoughts of many others that we come to a place of repentance and a place of wholeness. And then we will have the authority to wield that sword. So if we have allowed that sword to pierce our souls this year, it would have brought us to that place of repentance and healing. And we'll be given the opportunity to wield it in increased authority. But unfortunately, if we have run away from the sword of the Lord this year, then what the Lord will do in his grace is it will be like a groundhog year for us uh, because we'll get to repeat this year until we learn the lessons that will put that sword in our mouths um, uh, through our hearts. Um, you know, as for me, I, I am looking forward to the end of 2021 um, because it has really been a year of piercing uh, for me as a person and, and for us as a congregation. And I thank God uh, for 2021. Um, it is a, it's, been a, it's been a year of revelation that's bringing us to a place of repentance. You know, what I find about repentance is that every time you're growing up in God, every step you move in God, um, you have to repent of the old to fully embrace the new. Well, today I'm very excited because we're going to be sharing communion uh, together. Uh, and I'm going to be teaching in the light of everything that the Lord has revealed to us so far. Um, and we'll be breaking bread as a family together, a High Life family. So this message today is primarily for our High Life family. If you are not a member of the High Life family, well, welcome, and uh, there's room for you here. Uh, but enjoy the, the, um, uh, the edification from the ministry of the Word. But this Word is primarily really for our High Life family that uh, have partnered together um, on the journey and the purpose that the Lord has for us as a community. I'd like us to open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. I'm going to be reading verses 14 to 17 from the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 14 to 17. I'd like us all to open our Bibles. He says, So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. You know, when we talk about communion and we talk about 
the body of Jesus broken for our benefit. A lot of times our revelation is limited uh, to the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus to bring healing to our bodies. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 that he bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin may live unto righteousness, by his stripes we are healed. And that is a valid revelation. But the Apostle Paul is bringing out another dimension to the breaking of the body of Christ at the cross. When the Father allowed his body to be broken and his body to be scourged, it was to bring healing to our physical bodies, yes, and the shedding of his blood provided remission for our sins, yes, but the broke, breaking of his body was to reconstitute his body as one, and that is the body of Christ. The Father had the body of Christ in mind, or he had the oneness of the body of Christ in mind when Jesus' body was broken. And that's why Paul says here that uh, the bread, when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat of one loaf of one bread, showing that we are one body. Yeah, We may have a piece of the bread, but we are eating it together as one, and we are demonstrating the communion of the body, the oneness of the body, that Jesus shed his blood to bring together. The price that was paid for the oneness of the body was the breaking and the scourging of the body of Christ. So the price has been paid for the body to be one. He expands on this in the next chapter in 1 Corinthians 11. From verse 23, I read again from the New Living Translation. He says, For I pass on to you, what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you, doing remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant uh, between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And then he explains what it means. He says, if anyone, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Jesus. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drink the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking damnation unto yourself. So again, the significance of the blood, the significance of the body is explained here. He says, this body was broken. So when we're eating the body, we should recognize that the body represents the oneness of the body of Christ. And we should examine ourselves. What does that mean? How am I valuing the body of Christ? How am I honoring the body of Christ? How am I recognizing in my life that Jesus' body was broken to bring the body out as one? 
how am I honoring the body? He says, when you eat the bread without honoring the body, when you drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking judgment unto yourself. Wow. Wow. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, um, verse uh, 16 to 17, the New Living Translation, Paul says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? All of you together are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. God is serious about this. He sent Jesus to die for our redemption. That though we are many, we will become one. And that is what Jesus paid for at the cross. And as we eat the bread, we honor the fact that we are one. We remember the fact that we are one. We remember that the highest price was paid to bring about this oneness. And we submit to that. We all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. You know, for quite a few months now, uh, we have been talking about the distinction of government. And through that teaching, the vision of God for his body in the earth has been made clear. God is very clear about what he's doing in his body in the season. You know, Isaiah prophesied many years ago. And I'm going to be reading from Isaiah 2 uh, verse 2 from the Message Bible translation. It said, there's, there's a day coming, Isaiah said, by the Spirit, when the mountain of God's house will be the mountain, solid, towering over all mountains. All nations will river toward it. People from all over will set out for it. They'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain. Go to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Zion's the source of the revelation. God's message comes from Jerusalem. So he's saying that there is a day coming and that day is the day in which we live. It is the last days, the day in which we live. God is doing something. He's saying that out of his body, out of the church, God's revelation to the world will be clear. God's solutions for how to build society will be clear. That is what God is doing in the earth today. And as we desire to partner with God and ascend this mountain to be that people that God has called us to be, reformers of society, the Lord has made clear to us that unless we bring, we build strongholds, we cannot take the city. Yes, we want to take the city. Yes, we want to be the light of the world. Yes, we want to function as the salt of the earth. As we heard earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, it is us together that make up the temple. One brick does not a temple make. It is us together that make up the temple. Yeah? Um, a, a bunch of eyes, a bunch of eye people can never, be, does not necessarily mean we're a we. Just because we gather together does not mean we're one. 
Yeah, and that's a quote from Tom, Tom Bowden um, from the New uh, Covenant Community Church in, in Greenwich, New York. He says, a bunch of eyes does not a we make. A brick does not a temple make. Unless we build strongholds, we cannot take the city. And that comes from a message I preached a couple of weeks ago. If you want more expansion on that, go uh, review the message. You know, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 2.17 said, he said, he said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. If we're going to take the city, if we're going to take the nation, we are going to take it by building strongholds of community. A, 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 a fortified city. You know, we talked about what a wall represents. A wall defines your territory. Yeah, when you have a wall around your community, it defines your territory. A, a community that is built on vision, on clear vision. We know what we're about. A wall provides a defense, an impregnable defense to, from the enemy. A wall provides a covering. Yeah, it provides a covering. It provides protection for those people. And then you put a gate, access points to come in and out. Because though we're many, like the Bible says, we all eat from one loaf of bread. And, and we demonstrate by that our oneness. So as we break bread together as a community that seeks to build a stronghold of community around us, uh, there are four things I want to look at. Um, uh, an immersion into an understanding that holds us together as a community. Uh, the first is understanding what we are building. Understanding what we are building. Number one, we are building an army. We're building an army. If we're going to fulfill God's call for this house, God's call for us to take the city and the nation, we must build a stronghold. And to build a stronghold, we must submit to the process of training that will make us into a mighty army. So as we, as we break bread together as a community, and we recognize that we are one, we come into that united understanding that what we are saying is that we are submitting to the process of discipleship, the process of training that will make us a mighty army. You know, as part of his um, overall vision of, um, of, of raising a mountain, and a people through whom revelation will come. At High Life, within that vision, our own vision is clear. Our own mandate is clear. And you know, as I said, if you are going to build a wall, a, a wall um, defines um, your territory. Our territory is clear. And that territory is determined by a specific vision. And our vision is to raise an army equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. That is what high life is about. So as we break bread, we are submitting to a training process to make us an army 
They'll be equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. An army is different from a nursery. And as we eat this bread, we are submitting to that understanding. And at this point, in your various house churches, I want us to have a short period where we discuss the implications of an army as opposed to a nursery. We went through that last week at our family gathering in quite a lot of detail. Bring your notes out. Talk about it. Before we eat this bread, what are we submitting to? What are we committing to? What are we seeing that Jesus allowed his body to be broken for? Um, what, are we, what are we embracing? What does this mean for us as a community? Yeah, I want us to go through that. So that's number one. What we're building is an army. And that's what we're submitting to. Number two, a, a wall provides a covering. It provides a covering. You know, very recently, um, I, I, I was made aware of, of a certain accusation uh, that had been leveled um, against me. And, you know, I am not a, I am not, um, um, you know, a stranger to controversy. Uh, right from when I was very young, I've been very used to controversy. In fact, I've heard, I mean, I, I learned about 20 years ago that when the devil knows he can't fight you, he starts calling you names. You know, the Lord was called all kinds of names. Um, all through his ministry, he was called an illegitimate child. Um, of a wayward woman. He was called a drunkard. He was called a fornicator. He was, he was accused of hanging around uh, wicked people and sinners. Uh, in fact, even recently, you know, historical records allege, uh, you know, some dubious historical records, you know, we're trying to purport that Jesus had a child through Mary Magdalene. So, you know, you know controversy uh, and rumors are, are not, uh, do not surprise me. You know, but what surprised me um, was the, uh, the, the response of, of people to it. You know, it's, I feel that our immediate reaction, you know, um, whenever we hear something or there's a gossip or a rumor, our immediate reaction must be to draw closer and to lock arms together as an army. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering, uh, you know, some movies I've watched about an army. And it's like whenever a spear is thrown towards a well-equipped army, everybody locks arms together. They don't disperse and, God forbid, kill their wounded. Yeah? Um, it, it is important that our community is a covering a covering because offense is a covering. You know, in Psalm 82, verses 2 to 3, um, the New, New International Version puts it this way. It says, defend the weak. Wow. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Our response for the weak is to defend them. It says, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them 
from the hand of the wicked. Defend the weak. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, um, verses 1 to 3, I'll read the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Wow. I think that's revelation right there. Yeah. Um, a, 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 if we're going to build a stronghold, it needs to be a covering. Yeah. It needs to be a covering for our community. It needs to be a covering for our community. If there's any sign of weakness, our response must be to defend the weak. It must be to rescue the weak. If somebody has fallen, our response must be humbly and gently to restore people with a spirit of meekness because their weakness is our weakness. Their strength is our strength. You know, recently I watched a, um, an interview um, of David uh, Letterman uh, with Jay-Z. And it was, it was quite an interesting interview. And, um, and, and Jay-Z was talking about, you know, how he grew up. He grew up in, um, in the projects. I can't remember exactly what city he was raised in, but they were very poor. And his father left uh, the family when he was about 10, 11 years old. And as you can imagine, that, that would have a, a major impact um, on a young boy. Um, why would my father abandon me? It could lead to all kinds of things, um, bitterness um, towards his dad. Because from the eyes of a young boy, um, there is no justification for that. And he carried that burden for many years. And then he said to David Letterman that he learned a lot more recently the circumstances um, that led to his father seemingly abandoning the family. He said that um, they lived in this project and his, his father's brother, that's his uncle, was murdered um, by somebody in the project and it really devastated his dad. So much so that, you know, he couldn't get over it. In fact, whenever he heard that that person was around, he would leave his mom, grab his gun and go hunt the person down, Yeah. And after a while, his mother started saying to him, listen, you have your own family. I mean, why are you doing this? Um, it created such a friction because he was hunting, the, he was looking to kill this man. And the, the father kept saying that, but I understand I have a family, but this is my brother. My brother has been killed. My brother has been killed. I have to revenge, avenge my brother's death. And this created such friction between himself and his mom that he couldn't stay around the family any longer. He couldn't live in, that, um, in those projects any longer because this person that killed his brother was still around. Now, Jesus said that understanding why his dad left gave him a totally different picture of the circumstances. And it gave him a lot more empathy towards his dad. Yeah? And, and what it, when I watched it, what it did for me, 
it, it, it brought home the fact that we view situations from the lens of our own strength and our own brokenness, hardly from the perspective of truth. Because truth is a person. Truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at situations properly, uh, when we get involved in people's lives from the perspective of truth, as opposed to the perspective of the lens of our own strength, then we will deal with people with meekness and our hearts will be about restoration. We are not ready to take the city. We need to build a covering. You know, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 12, 5, he says, if you run, if you have run with a footman and they have, we they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, how, then how will you, uh, how will you fare in the flood, in the floodplain of the Jordan? Okay, things are hotting up. And the Lord is allowing things to happen in our community that reveals to us where we're at. Are we going to lock arms when there's a sign of weakness or are we going to be spread thing? Are we going to, um, are we going to uh, embrace the discipline of our army? Or are we going to still be looking forward to operating as a nursery? Number three. Um, Number three focuses on the supply that God has given you for this body. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. It says, for his body, the same body we've been talking about, the same body that the bread represents. It says, his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together. And constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. As these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in one. You know, there's so much in there that we can unpack. Um, first of all is the fact that he used the image of a physical body to illustrate the body of Christ. The image of a physical body. What a powerful image that is. The first thing I think about when I think about a physical body is that it's inseparable. <laughs> yeah? You cannot separate it. It is inseparable. If you sever any part of the body, it dies. Okay? So we are connected as an inseparable unit. The Bible says that we we um, that we, we have been we have been baptized into the same body and we've been made to drink of the same spirit. So we are inseparable. And going back to the earlier point about a covering, is that if we're a covering for each other, then we've got to be focused on being that covering because we're not going anywhere. Yeah, leaving is not an option. You can't leave your body so you are connected as one and therefore we are committed to the growth of the body. The second thing we see in this passage here is that he has formed this body in his image, closely joined them together um, and every member, everyone say every member, every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. 
So that means you have a part to play. And as we break bread together, you need to be thinking, what have I been given for the growth of the body? Not for the growth of myself. It's for the growth of the body. What have I been given? You know, a lot of times in communities, um, we create a model in our minds of givers and receivers. Okay, this person, uh, they have money. So if I need money, I go and meet them. Um, this person can help me move further in life. We have those models, yeah, of givers and receivers. But what the Bible says is that every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. That means that you have a part to play in the vision of God for this house. Yeah, I'll talk a, a little bit later about that. If you look at, at 1 Corinthians 12, 23, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. Um, Paul expands on this again. He says, the body parts we think are less honorable. We treat with greater respect. And the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. You are the body of the anointed one and each one of you is unique and vital part of it. Each one of you is a unique and a vital part of it. Every single member has been given gifts. Every single member has been, has been given graces for the building of the rest of the body. Every member is vital and unique. What is your part in the vision that God has given this community? As we break bread together, we need to recognize that each of us is a unique and vital part. There's a supply that God has given you for the rest of the body. I'm again reminded of the building of the wall by Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13, Nehemiah says, I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sisters, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. In other words, he was saying that everywhere there's a gap. We need to feel that gap, okay? This whole notion of, oh, we have pastors to fill the gap. No, it's for the body. The pastors, the apostles, the evangelists, the teachers are there to equip the rest of us with insight, understanding, substance to do the work of the body. We must each identify the gaps and with the graces that we have been given, the gifts we've been given, we must begin to build. We must begin to build. 
We must begin to lend our time, lend our wisdom, lend our energy to build this wall of covering, to build this equipping force that will go out and change the world. What is your part? You know, elite armies, I'm told, never fight for themselves. They are always fighting for the person next to them. Yeah? This has to be, be we have to go beyond this being some good thing we chant when we are feeling uh, spiritual. It has to be a practical thing. Being involved in the life of one another. Being trustworthy people that others will be able to entrust you with their pain and their weakness. Yeah? So that they can receive strength from you. Because we're not going anywhere. Yeah? And that, that body part, if you strengthen that body part, you are strengthening yourself. Finally, the fourth part is the aspect of command and control. Yeah, as we break bread together and we are embracing this understanding of the oneness of the body, um, we, we, are, we, are, we are pressing into this understanding of command and control. Yes, we're building an army. We're building a covering. We recognize our place of supply. But we need to understand command and control. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 to 15, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. It says, And then our immaturity will end. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All, everyone say all, all our direction. And ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper in, uh, into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. You know, in uh, January 2020, you know, we had, as we always do, we had Perusia, uh, our school of the spirit. And Pastor Chris Delvan um, was one of the ministers. And, and, um, and he made a statement while he was preaching um, that I found very curious. He said, I'm looking for a church uh, where the pastor does not care about the people. And he repeated it several times. And I wondered what he meant, because I know that Pastor Chris, I mean, he's a pastor of the church and he's a very loving man. Um, but I, I wondered why he said that. But now I understand. You see, it's important to understand that in the building of the church, all our direction and ministries must flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. You know, I have what I call the Moses versus the Aaron model of ministry. The Moses versus Aaron model of ministry. If you look at Exodus 31, let me read that as the last passage today. 
Exodus 32, rather, verse 1. Uh, let's look at it together. The Moses versus Aaron model of ministry. In Exodus 32, verse 1, the Bible says, Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods uh, that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And then we know what happened. Aaron told them all to you know, take off their gold, which the Lord had given them favor to receive. And um, he, you know, he put it in the fire and he molded a golden calf. And he was right there and they began to dance. And they said that this God will lead us. Uh, he will lead us you know, the rest of the way. Of course, we know what happened. You know, Moses came down and the people were judged. Um, but the point I want to make is this, or I, I want you to see in this passage is this. Um, you know, in Ephesians 4, it says that um, all our direction and ministries must flow, flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. You know, in this scenario in Exodus 32, the Bible says that Moses delayed coming down. Now, Moses delayed from the perspective of the people. Yeah? He was not delayed. He was where he needed to be, doing what he needed to do. But the people were impatient. And as far as their own calendar was concerned, Moses was delayed. And they began to put pressure on Aaron. You see, that is showing a ministry that's not coming from, from the Lord. Because they began to put pressure on Aaron. It's like, this is what we feel we need. This is what we feel we need to be doing at this point. This is what, we need somebody to lead us. We need a God. And then Aaron bowed to the pressure of the people and started doing things to make them happy and make them feel comfortable. You know, God wants our joy. He's the one that made us. But he's going to lead us through a process that requires patience, that requires waiting on him, that requires um, uh, direction that must come from him and him alone. Yeah? That is the Moses versus the Aaron ministry. And that is why uh, Pastor Chris said he's looking for a pastor that does not care whose heart is not taken by the people. Because all of us, pastor, congregation, prophet, apostle, our ministries must come from him. Our ministries must be led by him. And maturity is determined by how much of our lives we hand over to the Lord and have him determine when, 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 where, how, who uh, we do things. And that is part of what we must be doing as we break bed together. We are submitting to his leadership. We are submitting to his process. So we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. We are committing as we break bread together to being one army. One army that is focused on one vision. We're committed to providing covering for one another, a place of safety. We're committed to bringing our supply and standing in the wall. We're not going to be criticizing uh, the fact that there's a hole in the wall. We're going to identify the gaps. And as one, we're going to cover those gaps. Uh, we're going to submit the command and control of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
for the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross to die for us. We thank you because his body was broken that your body may be one. So as this high life family, we take the bread and we thank you for it. We break the bread recognizing that the grace for our body to be one has already been released by the sacrifice of the broken body of the Lord. So Father, we eat this bread today and we recognize that though we're eating one piece, it is one loaf and we, begun, we belong to that one body. So we, we align with the grace of the Lord that has been released to make us one. Let us eat the bread together. Father, we receive grace to submit to the process of training that will raise us as a mighty army. Our lives are not our own anymore. Our lives belong to your body. For our identity is only in the context of our presence in the body of Christ. Father, we receive grace to cover one another. Our tongues will not be used to murmur, to criticize, to gossip, to tear down. Our voice and our words will be used to encourage, to heal, to strengthen, to restore, to pray, to release grace. We're going to be like that good Samaritan. We're going to pour oil and wine on the wounds of the wounded. We're going to look after the, the, the affairs of others and not just our own. We're going to care for one another. We're going to defend the weak. We're going to strengthen those who stumble. We receive grace to do this, O oh God. Father, we receive grace to recognize, to make a careful exploration of who we are and the work we've been given, and then sink ourselves into it. Lord, we're going to receive grace. We receive grace to, 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 to yield to the supply you have given us for the sake of the body, to strengthen the body, to plug the gaps in the wall, that we may build a, a community that is strong, that cares for one another, that we may take the nations of the earth. And lastly, Lord, we recognize that our lives are not our own, but belong to the one who loved us so much to die for us. So Lord, we, we bow to your command and control. We bow to your timing. We bow to your process. We yield ourselves to you, for we recognize that unless it kind of it falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings much much fruit. Thank you for the fruitfulness that comes out of yielding to you and handing over the reins of our lives to you. Lord, we receive grace today in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks because truly new wine is being poured into new wineskins. Thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood of, that seals this new covenant and ratifies it in heaven. 
So Lord, as high life, we advance. We advance. We go from grace to grace and from glory to glory. We advance as one because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has established us as one. So Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you for the new winds of your spirit that blow through this house. Thank you, O God, for dry bones that are being filled with moisture. Thank you for bone that is being joined to bone. Thank you for muscles that are forming over bones. Thank you for the breath of God that is filling your people and raising us a mighty army. Thank you for grace that fills this family. Grace that fills this family. Grace that fills this family in the name of Jesus. Let us drink together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you because no one is lost. No one is lost. No one is lost. Lord, we give you thanks. Everybody strengthened in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I trust this has been edifying for you in your house churches. Um, let us minister to one another in this time. I just sense the presence of God. Just minister to one another, uh, laying hands on each other, praying for one another uh, in every house church. Let's do that right now as led by the Holy Spirit. And, um, and the Lord bless you. Uh, we're going to expand this. Uh, we're going to be going deeper into this. Uh, we're going to start a book study um, on Sundays uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, um, you know, and um, I'm going to be introducing that next, uh, next Sunday. In, in the in the teaching that is done um and um yeah we're going to be doing that till the end of the year so god bless you have a wonderful week